Welcome to Bad Movie Brunch. I'm Luke. I'm Katie. And I'm Taylor. And um, we got a we got a hot hot take on Peter Pan. Uh, I don't know if you guys ever heard of this flick. It's called uh, Hook, starring the late great Robin Williams. Yeah, you might know him. He was in a few movies or two. Just <laughs> an absolute star. My favorite actor, maybe of all time. Um, yeah, so this was my pick this week, and I was like, I, as I usually do, because I, instead of just picking any movie that I n- could probably guess is bad, I like look up the worst rated movies. She does. She goes mm-hmm. for it. Like a real IMDb searcher. Like, what has bad ratings? I'm like, I, it's pretty I, impressive. I like that take. I really do. And then I looked up what um, is beloved that has really low ratings. And um, I think most people would be shocked that Hook would be on Bad Movie Brunch because it has a 29%. Fucking That's so t- unfair. And in 2021, 30 years later, correct? Yes. From, from it releasing, I think if you walked up to anybody, any Joe Blow on the street and told them that was the, that was the Rotten Tomato aggregation of Hook, uh, they would like be absolutely shocked as we are because um i think in 2021 you're like oh my god what another amazing robin williams gem but critics absolutely did not agree um mm-hmm. 30 years ago which and is mind-blowing to me dude, we've got dustin hoffman we've got julia roberts like we have steven spielberg is our movie maker like he directed this mm-hmm. Yeah. Steven Spielberg directed this? Uh-huh. Yeah. Wait a minute. There's a script? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. That is fucking my head up right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the critics shit on Steven Spielberg? Oh, they hate? Yeah. yeah they were like, this E.T. E.T. phone home. This ain't good. That I was like a die. review. <laughs> I literally want to die. That's crazy. Yeah. A Peter Pan movie? Like, all of the things that were should have made this movie. But what's so great about it is it has a six, or a 76% um, for audience review. And I think that gap, I'm like, that might be one of the highest gaps that it has. And it's this is a great reminder that uh, cult films can exist, and it doesn't matter what your critic says. Because I'm like, I just have fond memories of this. But I think my favorite thing about being able to talk about this this week is, Katie, you've never seen it until this weekend. That is true. Yeah, I have never seen this movie before. We had it on VHS when I was growing up, but somehow throughout my entire childhood up until just this morning, I have never seen it before. And I always meant to, to be honest. I don't know what stopped me from watching it, but I, I'm glad that I was finally able to to watch it for this. And... uh Share my thoughts with you guys. Um, did you look at the two hours and go, oh no? Two and a half I, hours. Yeah, I, I didn't expect it to be such an epic. I, I feel like it's unusual for a kid's movie to be that length. Um, yeah. But it, and, and it does feel long. Um, I kind of understand why they probably felt it, have, it had to be that long because the I think that that has to do with the believability of Peter going from being, like, this stuffy, you know, like, corporate McBusiness to, uh, like, realizing his uh, Peter Pan past. Like, like that do- that is something that should take time. But I do feel like that could have been truncated just a little bit um, and still keep that believability. Like, like maybe not 
two and a half hours, but maybe two hours, like keep some <laughs> of the length, but like not all of it. You know, I, and I know that that's very um, flippant to say as I don't know editing that well, but, but I feel like, you know, you can still have it be a little long, but not quite as long. There are some turns. Ugh. I just want to speak to, to what Katie uh, is saying about it, like being long for a kid's movie. The theory I have going in my head is you had the VHS, and I know you have an older brother, but still, you were you were not even alive when this came out. I wasn't alive when no. this came out, nor was Taylor. My older brother was fucking three at oldest, and I wasn't born. So the fact that we had this VHS, the fact that I had this VHS in my house means that my dad bought this VHS for himself. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's absolutely mm-hmm. what it means. And it makes sense because you set, you throw out Spielberg. That's, of course, like, like our, our parents, like, looked at that dude as the filmmaker, the blockbuster king, uh, which he probably is. Um, and then there's also, like, this is a big-time dad story. Like, this is a dad oh. movie, um, like, through and through. And then... This uh, a... No, I was just going to say that this is a big-time dad era of family films as well. For sure. For sure. So um, this obviously spoke to, like, I mean, you kind of made a, a movie for dads, but with, with kids' IP, and I think maybe that puzzled critics in 91, even though Spielberg is like, I know what I'm doing, you, you pieces of shit. Um, <laughs> and this is also, like, pre-Jurassic Park for him. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and so maybe everybody was like, whoa, Spielberg might be done. He's making this shit-ass Peter Pan movie with Robin Williams, who is also, like, pre-Doubtfire, pre- um, uh, Patch Adams. Patch pre- Adams. Um, and then, you know, closing out the the 90s, uh, the late 90s with an Oscar win and Goodwill Hunting. So it's mm-hmm. kind of like, this is kind of like a gawky phase. Uh, and I think critics maybe viewed it as such in 91, but um, it ages like a, like a fine wine. Yeah, I think it, it, like, I'll just say this before I ask a, l- a little bit for some plot references just throughout the movie, because there's a lot of plot. I'm reali- you, you describing it as an epic is the best way to put it, because it is, it goes in every which way of what an epic story would be. Um, but I think, to your point about talking about pre-Robin Williams, I don't think we get Hook, if we don't get Hook, we don't get Mrs. Doubtfire. I don't think mm. we get that, and I just am like, I don't think we have Robin Williams getting to be the kid and watching him do that. I'm like, and some critics said it. They're like, the movie and the spectacle and all of that doesn't hit the mark, but Robin Williams is giving a performance uh, unlike any other, and I just am like, this feels like what sparked every... And there's even movies that I can't even remember now that, where's that like one where he turns into a kid or he's a kid in a, a grown-up body? That's not him, is it? There's two. So there's a big oh, one uh, and there's Jack? a Robin Jack. Yeah, oh, where he like well, has that, the disease. Yeah, he has like a, it's like reverse Benjamin Button yeah. sort of. Yeah, Jack's an awesome movie. Yeah, so I, I'm like, I definitely thought maybe the critics hated it because I'm like, is this in the mix of we're already getting all of the Robin Williams kid movie like he gives it off kid energy and all that, and I'm like, no, this is 1991. We've got good, uh, good night Vietnam or good mo- no good, good morning. Yeah, good yeah. night Vietnam. Um, <laughs> good morning Vietnam and um, oh goodness, I won't remember. What it's going. Was. It's leading into his prime. Like yes. I, Robin Williams has been around since was was around since the 70s and stuff. So like he was in mm. the in the in the public eye and stuff. But he was. This is like right before the ramp up to what I would say is absolutely his prime where he was just 
killing it killing it and i think this works like in in hindsight 30 years later i'm fine to see a two and a half hour movie where robin williams gets to just perform because you know he's gone we don't get that we'll never get that again so thanks spielberg for just like you know standing your ground and making a long flick my i just on one more thing about dads being mesmerized with this movie there was a period of time where uh my dad was off work because uh speaking of dead people um my dad was off work because uh, it's like he had he had a workman's comp with his arm and so i lived walking distance from uh high school so i like th- and we had off-campus lunch because we were ballers so i would uh i would go home from work and uh from from school and and my dad would make me lunch one day i went home and i come in the back door walk in i'm like looking around i'm like where's my where's my food where is where is this fuck and uh he comes like storming in and he's like oh shit i was watching hook just like completely forgot to forgot to make me food because Hook was always on like the AMC and like movie channels and stuff. Even even in the even in 2010, the movie was mesmerizing enough to lock in my father to the extent that he lost all track of time and space uh, and and couldn't whip me up a can of ravioli. So that that's that that's that speaks uh, volumes to 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 this flick in my opinion. Yes, I when Luke. Go ahead, Katie. I was reading up a little bit about this movie, and I guess in the uh, first draft of the script, or at least an early draft of the script, uh, Peter was in his 30s rather than his 40s, and it was Steven Spielberg's call to make the character in his 40s to reflect the feelings of the aging baby boomer generation, which Mm. I think is really fascinating, because again... We were going through this era of uh, dad movies where essentially the conflict is the dad has to stop being such a business and learn how to be a father. And I feel like this is the quintessential one of those movies. Because what it really boils down to, that conflict between learning how to understand that what's important is family rather than necessarily your career, is remembering what it's like to be a kid. And this movie really touches on that because Peter in this movie has completely lost that to the point where he doesn't remember Neverland at all. Can't remember how, even has a fear of flying and doesn't remember any any of his friends or the sword playing or any of his skills. And I think that that's something that a lot of people in that generation were kind of feeling. Like, I feel like with millennials, they're the baby boomers kind of, or at least, you know, in periodicals not necessarily our parents but periodicals that talk about baby boomers versus millennials discuss how millennials are stunted quote-unquote and i think that that there is some of that at play but i also think that we're a generation that very much remembers what it's like to be a child and is very in touch with that and i feel like with the baby boomers they were kind of forced out of that to a certain extent and that's why we were seeing so many of these movies, because the, the, the men writing these scripts, and I do believe it was mostly men, were kind of grappling with this feeling of like, oh no, I tried to fight against expectation, and I ended up falling into this thing to provide for my family, but now I can't necessarily connect with my family. So it's this very fascinating time capsule of the kind of angst that I feel like a lot of fathers were going through during that time. I mean, it's it's kind of like uh, super eye opening when you say that because it's like yeah, like our dads' dads fought in war, like mm. world war combat, like like we're overseas and shit, and then our dads were the product of that, and then here we are like Pokemon, gotta catch 'em, <laughs> oh, so true. <laughs> 
We're just like, yeah, oh my god, how sweet is Disney Channel? High five me. And it's like, Luke, you're 30, man. I'm like, not yet. No, it's like, that's so true. I remember a lot of, um, I had a few family friends, like dads, that would actually be like, go chase your dream. Like, because they didn't get to. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it was like, that's so different for us because we're now the opposite, where it's like, go chase your dream. But like not explaining that we do need money to live and to actually <laughs> exist and in retirement and nothing is free and capitalism just keeps getting worse and worse. So like I would say that our generation is very much confused about being like, so you said that we should go follow our dreams, but what you didn't tell me is that uh, capitalism is not for for that. Conducive. It's not, yeah, it's <laughs> that's not that and and so then they're like oh no we didn't teach you enough about and we're like the pendulum just swinging and swinging but Mm -hmm. thank god that there is media to remind us that like oh that's what our parents were going through our parents were like oh wait we want to remember that there's so much about childhood that is enjoyable and watching Robin Williams like get mad at his son for being a child was mm-hmm. just like, oh my, you're like, oh yeah. That yeah. is, I, in, I feel like I see it every day where you're like, kid, we're like teaching, we have to teach kids how to behave, but yet we miss behaving like a kid. And that, is, you, you could bottle that up and put it in a movie, um, in any sort of movie, and we did get a lot of them, but I think Hook, does an excellent job of also being like it's not to say the movie doesn't end on this note that goes you need to be a kid and that's all um and i i feel like because if it was that i think he would have ended up staying in neverland but he Mm -hmm. he's like no Mm -hmm. you can you can have responsibilities and still go to your kid's game (laughs) you know smartest thing i think that this movie does is you know in order to fly, Peter Pan needs to have a happy thought. And the happy thought that gets him to fly is being a father. Like, holding his son for the very first time. That's what gets him in touch with the joy that he's lost in adulthood, is remembering the love of his children. And that, I think, is so smart. Because it shows that growing up isn't so horrible like, there's, you can get out of touch with that childlike part of yourself that's totally possible, but you can reclaim it. But also, there's a lot of things to look forward to in adulthood, such as being a parent in this particular case. And that is why Peter is able to leave Neverland, because he realizes he does kind of go too far at some point, where he reverts totally back to being a child. And Tink helps him realize his whole purpose for coming to Neverland was his children. And I think that it's important to see that because it it's it the, the movie is trying to explain that it's good to be in touch with your childhood, but also, again, as you were saying, to recognize your responsibilities. And when Peter is able to do both, that is why he's able to defeat Captain Hook and why he's able to reconnect with his children, which is ultimately the, the true conflict of the film is will this man be able to connect with his children again? And it's so smart, and it's done so well, and it doesn't feel over the top or cheesy. It definitely feels earned, which I really appreciate. 
his responsibility to just like kiss every hottie in sight it's like it's like hey man so you're banging wendy darling you guys sexualize tinkerbell i don't know how to feel and then and and i was literally (laughs) just thinking this i was like that is if i had one little thing i was like here's aren't you married yeah. Uh, well, I was like, here's something that I, I'm like, okay, the story does get a little lost. The whole, like, dad, remember, like, all of that is, I think, what every audience member remembers is what Katie mm. just described. And I feel like <laughs> that movie, and that's why this movie is loved. And, like, we don't even pay attention to that stuff as much. It's like watching a TV show, and you're like, I'm not going to remember every scene of Shit's Creek but I am going to remember all the stuff that, like, those, like, scenes that are going to be remembered forever. A little bit of Lexus talking about how um, I'm going to go, I guess I'm going to talk about Shit's Creek for two seconds. And the moment when um, David is talking about how he's by by talking about wine. And I'm like, I will remember those scenes forever. But I'm definitely not going to remember everything about it. And I think the Robin Williams kissing the mermaids. Yeah. Um. Robin Were they William. giving him air? What, was, I know, was that uh, yes. the point? I, could, I don't hot, know. I don't know. <laughs> then, the, then the Tinkerbell fa- be, professing his love was like hard, like hard to watch, and I didn't. I don't know if I needed that. That um, that's also something from the source material too. Is is there is oh, like in yeah. the play? It's like implied that Tinkerbell has a crush on Peter Pan and that does become a little problematic if Peter Pan is now depending on what age Tink is supposed to be and what yes. age Peter is at any given time that is tricky I I do know at least she became human sized that was a request from Julia Roberts because she had gone through the entire film without being in a scene with another actor and she pretty much straight up told Steven Spielberg, yo, I cannot just do green screen this entire time. Please make me in a room with another actor for one scene. And um, she apparently was also huh. going through a really tumultuous time during the filming of this. Not because of things happening on set, but because Kiefer Sutherland broke off their engagement. So she actually fled to Ireland at some point because she had a mental breakdown. And Steven Spielberg was like, I will fire you if you don't come back. So she came back, and naturally she was unpleasant because she was going through a time, and nobody was letting her like have a time. Whoa. So Hollywood, this is some Hollywood shit. Katie, I am so happy that you did that and learned that, because that makes sense. Because I'm like, there, there are some. That's like the one thing about. I feel like the magic in this movie that I was like, this doesn't make any. I don't know why she's getting bigger. <laughs> I don't know mm-hmm. why her wish is granted that she gets to do that. Oh, but that makes so much sense. And also, Wendy Darling is supposed to be his his. You know, Wendy Darling was his lover, and not mm-hmm. you know. I don't. It's very it's very kid love, but like. The fact that he falls in love with her granddaughter is just so confusing. That's some Captain America fucking Sharon Carter shit in Winter Soldier. That very oh, much Oh, for so. sure. But it's also but the second Disney Peter Pan movie, if I recall, because that's Wendy's daughter, right? Damn, and I, do I, think, nev- I don't... Yeah. Is that a VHS sequel? Yes. Yeah. Mm, I don't remember it. 
I know oh. Luke and I went down a path of just I was because I was like maybe it's Peter Pan people who are like uh, also couldn't handle this movie because I'm like it it's not Finding Neverland that we get later. It's not that weird um, Peter Pan like I don't think Peter Pan people knew what was Pan. coming next. Yeah, Pan. Hugh Jackman's Blackbeard. Oh my gosh! And um, so we got Finding Neverland, Peter Pan, Peter Pan Two. Pan and Hook. Well, Peter Pan was from like this. Like that's not recent. I know. Are they saying we got all that in that time? Okay. No, I'm sorry. What are you talking about? I'm getting a full list of all of our our Peter Pan stories. Yeah, there's there's some Pan stories out there. Um, (laughs) Yeah, without a doubt. Can I also say I think the the title is weird. Um, Yeah. And it's something I like wrestle with because I understand that Hook Captain Hook is a little more fleshed out in this. And I know that Dustin Hoffman is real, real deal Holyfield in 1991, um, but I think that's strange. And I don't know if that's just to like differentiate and let you know this is a take on Peter Pan. I get that; that's fine. But if anything, it's like I, I don't. The character I walk away thinking about is Peter. Obviously, it's not like mm-hmm. it's not like this is a Hook origin. And also, I remember as a kid really liking Rufio the most. Like, I thought Rufio was the coolest fucking character in the world, and that is, like, a film death that, like, haunted me early on in life. Um, I really didn't think like, he was going to stay dead. I really did Fucking crazy. It's, like, that, like, I mean, I, I mean, we had the tape, and I watched it, like, a lot as a kid, and it, like, tripped me out, man. I was like, this is crazy. Like, and even now, like, the implications of it all are, like, so fucking crazy. You killed that kid in Neverland, and, like, like... He could have. Um, these are like, aren't they immortal children? I'm like so fucked up by it. You got, you stabbed him. This is weird. And like, I think Netflix is 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 missing an opportunity. So now that Hook is on here, and I bet you it's been getting hella plays. They're mm-hmm. missing an opportunity in the world of reboots where they do a, a series called Rufio, and it's all like like Rufio in that whole time span without Peter in Neverland. You know what I mean? All the events between him leaving and the and then the events of Hook. You dig through some Spielberg footage of scenes they didn't use uh, for Hook, and you get some Robin Williams that you get to use as an original scene at the like in the last episode of the season one finale. You know what I mean? <laughs> and everybody freaks the fuck out, and it's the hottest show on Netflix. Okay, it's funny that you should say that because I just googled it because I I thought that that might have been a thing, and it turns out it is. So Dante Bosco is in development. Uh, okay, I'm just gonna read the quote. I am a uh, filmmaker, says, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> we are in development for something that's Rufio-based. It's out there. Yeah. We'll be pitching it soon. I can't really talk about it, but it's an origin story of Rufio, and it would be animated. I would come back and voice the character. Let's put it like that. Oh, so, Luke, okay. once again, you're knocking um, it out of the park. Finger on the pulse. Uh, <laughs> but I, I still would think live action is the way to go, and I'm sorry to the actor. I would cast a, a kid that looks like him, yeah. and I would do it that way and have Spielberg uh, executive produce. But I'm still down for animated. Two words about a Rufio series. A, bangerang. Mm-hmm. Fucking, fucking B, three syllables, one word. Rufio. He's so cool. He's so much cooler than Pan. Can we also mm-hmm. talk about one more thing? What about just actually getting a Hook origin? Like an actual movie that... But t- I, no, who wants that? Well, I guess I don't. How dare I? <laughs> Everybody wants Rufio. The yeah. people have spoken. Yeah, babe, but you're 
what you're asking for is like is already popularized like what i'm asking for is niche what i'm asking for is is what probably the critics were looking for you know the critics were probably like this isn't that title of a movie watch it happen finger on the pulse taylor watch it happen after cruella like oh, yeah. and disney mm. does it I'd watch the shit out of that. That's what I'm saying. Like, I bet this this will be in development so soon because Smart. it's one of the top. You give me that, give me an Ursula origin. And Maleficent also banged. Like, those movies it are did. both dope as shit. Like, mm-hmm. I also, um, I, I feel like this movie's too long to give a, um, a description of the plot. At this point, I'm like... <laughs> People know it. He's yeah. a, He's grumpy dad. He goes back to Neverland and then become, finds his inner child and becomes the Peter Pan he'd forgotten about and learns to fly again. Remember, Peter. Like, you know, yeah. and like, mm-hmm. everything's fine and his kid's kind of getting like courted to be Captain Hook's son and they're really close and it's weird. And Well, he's finally getting the dad that actually says that he's going to go to his baseball games and all that stuff and his dad's not doing that. Um, you guys like the plot? That was yeah. such a big 90s mood. Because again, when we were seeing Jingle All the Way with the, like, the karate thing oh, at the yeah. beginning. You're right, Phil Hartman. I, I had some extra lights laying around the house and I thought, <laughs> what the heck? Can we talk? And I, we just have to talk about the uh, Rufio Pan food fight scene. Um, mm. Because I feel like if that is the scene that oh. people are like, do you remember Hook? Oh, yeah, because I can visually, it's one of those things where you're like, movie food. Movie food that you're like, oh, I would have loved to experience that. Watching them have a food fight, the props person who made all of the colorful frosting to throw at and watching that happen, I'm like, that could have been a short film that I would have just... Preceding that, the kids eating the the fake food, like the invisible yeah. food, is a lit-ass scene. Like, those kids are good actors, man. Oh, my God. I think people underestimate how much, how hard it is to make a good, uh, to, a good kid's movie. And, like, actually with all the actors where you're like, this, I love you. No, I think you're really good. No, I think you're really good. And... I just, that's a lot of work that he did on a movie for that. For, I'm like, you try rounding up 20 kids and make them good actors and then put a bunch of parents. Great actors. Great actors. And have them act against like Robin Williams and Dustin Hoffman and shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I love that all the pirates are adults and all of the lost boys are kids. And then uh, it's just brilliant. But the other, I think another layer of like, talking about Rufio's death reminds me too of this movie is, Captain Hook kills a lot of people, random, yeah. randomly. Like he's a pirate, man. And, Yo-ho. And there's like a, a suicide joke that totally happens in, with him and Smee. Yeah, that dude. I'm like, doesn't Smee get gobbled by alligators? Classic. Does he in this version? I don't think so. I don't remember. No, it's the what happens is uh, Hook dies by the big. Got uh, it. R- r- crocodile Got statue it. Okay. that he thought he was going to not Classic. die by. And then Classic. Yeah. No, he was he was traditional. I didn't do a rewatch. It's too much dad shit. But I know the movie very well. Yes. Mm. I might have asked Luke, and then I I was like, we're gonna watch Hook, and he's like, really, Taylor? I really? Well, you chose a dad of dad movies, and I go. Well, now I really want to watch a Robin Williams movie. I mean, it's very, very good, so you should always... Everybody should watch Hook. Yes. So accessible right now. Everybody and their dog has a Netflix account, and if they don't, they're mooching somebody else's Netflix account. And you should mm-hmm. go watch it and enjoy it. But uh, there is... 
like some people are expendable to Mr. Hook. <laughs> like well, they, when they're playing the baseball game and, and then some yeah, guy yeah. tries to <laughs> steal second and he just pops him. Like that is oh, probably my favorite joke in the entire movie. <laughs> uh, it was so unexpected and so good. And at some point, Erica just turned to me and she was like, I'd really enjoy baseball more if this is how it was done. It's definitely higher stakes, I'll tell you that. Um, oh, for sure. But that's also, I think, the other thing about watching this movie with um, eyes of CGI. Luke might have watched already watched the new Zack Snyder movie. <laughs> yeah, Taylor, I'm like, I go, oh, I go two and a half hours. Ew. And Taylor's like, didn't you just watch Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead yesterday intently? And I was like, Ah, shit. I got water all over myself. I was like, ah. (laughs) I'm like, and four hours of the Justice League and, what, two hours of Batman v Superman. And, yeah, I could go on. Calm down. Um, But I... Oh, now you made me lose track of what I was It Was it about say. green screens? Was oh, it yes. About- it's going to be that. I, w- watching this and watching all these big sets and watching all of the, like, hand... All of the handmade props. The kids getting mm. ready to go into battle and they're like uh football gear but not football gear that's like uh unwrapped that's it's... why i liked mortal kombat 95 speaking on last week like yeah. i like seeing practical sets like that and it does it does feel very of its day it, it doesn't happen as much and if it does it's like you have to pay i mean like you get it's just the but it just doesn't happen as frequently you know what i mean like practical effects are no. are harder to do i feel like the last movie i can think of is les mis the um where we got a lot they did make a lot of their sets yeah and but, like harry potter had like the castle and a lot of like big massive sets they built like yes. big movies are still doing it but those are movies with like hundreds upon hundreds of millions of dollars on uh, on a budget yeah but i do you think you could think of one that has come out in the last five years with practical sets yeah. Yeah, lots of flicks. I feel like. I know, but like this big, but I can't think of one that. What's that's... the budget on Hook? Does anybody know offhand? I think it was like eighty million. Was it really? No, oh my that... god! Okay, that's massive for the time. That might have been. Yeah, seventy million. Se- oh. oh my lord! Okay, all right. You're right. I guess it's not as common as I'm sitting here saying. So, um, didn't we just watch something though? I thought. It was like, was it a musical? Maybe I don't know. We watched something good with a lot of practical stuff, but I can't think. I of bet it now. Steven's. Uh, We're appreciating it. I bet Steven Spielberg's West Side Story will have some. Probably, Homeboy likes CGI. I mean, he did Ready Player One. He did the BFG. Like, it's not mm. like he's shying away from it. But I mean, he's kind of the king of the practical effect from 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 Bruce the Shark in Jaws through Jurassic Park and to Infinity and Beyond. So, uh, nobody does it like him. Yeah. The sets in Grinch are good. You were talking about those earlier. I know. That actually, that inspired me to think about, I was like, do we get this scene if we don't get, like, it, Hook feels in, feels like it inspired uh, the Grinch take. They, they do kind mm. of feel. Like, don't they feel similar? A little bit, yeah. I'm like, I know that that's cheap, I feel like. I like to make a lot of uh, thoughts in my head that I'm like, oh, these connect and that connects. But, I mean, it's not unheard of. But I'm definitely feel it feels connected in my childhood. That's for sure. But I'm like, oh man, I hope someone gets to create a world visually through props again. JJ did amazing props on like Force Awakens and 
uh, all the way through Rise of Skywalker. Like he went back to the the old roots of kind of building lots. There's still those movies are full on CGI, but like BB-8 was real and like stuff like that. Like that you don't like that a lot of people would just CGI him and stuff. So, but you're right, those are expensive ass movies. And Wandavision did the first episode did give us a nice callback of recreating a lot of the like gags of things of television where it's like with the bewit like bewitched well, like, feeling yeah totally. and they actually did do it in the old way yeah they fucking in front of a live studio yeah audience. so like everybody but it, you're right it is more like niche like the fact of the matter is like you know it's it's sometimes it is just cheaper to cgi which is awesome um but something is lost in uh yeah. translation at times i just feel mm-hmm. like if you miss if you've never experienced that hook would be Hook and the Grinch, I'd be like, watch that and look at how full those visuals are. Criterion, give Hook a, a, a Blu-ray remaster. Mm-hmm. Uh, Deserves it. It is a gorgeous yeah. film. I, mm-hmm. I really enjoyed, uh, again, just, just how lived in the world felt. Like like the prop design and the, the set design and the costume design all were, were truly fantastic. The, just the weird teeth that they gave Dustin Hoffman, too, like, just added so much to Captain Hook. Yeah, he's unrecognizable. Like, he's he's mm-hmm. such a... He's such a... Uh, character in that I mean, movie. He, I mean, he's, he's, one, he's the character actor. Like, it's just crazy how he disappears sometimes. Yeah. Apparently, but, he arrived at set two months before he was needed because he just wanted to get into the character so thoroughly. <sighs> and um, while they were filming, him and Robin Williams had, like, a... Uh, like a playful rivalry where they would like rib each other about stuff. Like at some point, Dustin Hoffman was like, no, we need to do a retake because I lost my motivation. And I, I guess Robin Williams said, you mean like, or he said something like try acting. And which I guess was something that Lawrence Olivier said to Dustin Hoffman on a previous movie. And then uh, at, at the end of like one take, Robin Williams had to go back and do something, and he, and I think Dustin Hoffman made a crack about him being Mork, and uh, ah. Robin Williams clapped back with some other TV show that Dustin Hoffman was in. So they were just having a time on the set of Hook. Fight each other. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that makes me so... That's some good shit. Isn't it funny mm-hmm. how I'm like, what you just described makes me so happy, but hearing about Jared Leto, like... Send people rats made me there's, so angry. There's levels to it. Yes. There's different sides. Well, what they're what she's describing too is like they were getting into character, but they're also being real humans talking about their acting performances, right? Like you're mm-hmm. not you're not fully in method if you're talking about your previous performances. Right. Like that's what those men were doing, and Jared Leto was being the Joker at all times, and like being asked to be. It's. It's just crazy the line for me personally that I'm like, mm. a true Bruce. But watching, hearing Dustin Hoffman and Robin Williams having a little um, back and forth makes my heart so happy. I'm like, mm-hmm. mm, that would be fun to experience. But also that Julia Roberts was not having a good time. Documentary. Oh, a very, very bad time. This, yeah. movie, this movie is like, every, is there? every fucking level of this movie is like, ripe for re-exploration this is a great pick taylor and and i and Mm -hmm. i never would have believed it was like like the spark that like lights this fuse the fact that it's so criminally underrated by critics and then you dig into every aspect and all these backstories that katie's providing and everything else and it's just shocking like everything about this is like 
why why aren't we talking about this movie every day? And I feel like our I feel like we are. Like I feel like it, it hooks never like when she mentioned it, I'm like, yeah, that's that's a staple. Like that's part of our of our um, mythology. But I wonder if it is this. It, it's probably not the same for anybody born post 2000. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's why like it, it's like just kind of collecting dust. Well, and I do think because Robin Williams was a goddamn mastermind um he's got so many movies that this movie could get lost i think of that and patch adams it's like people love it but i don't think people that many people have seen that compared to mrs doubtfire which i would say and dead poet society that's what i was thinking about dead poet society Mm. came before these are all just like definitively vhs movies like we are on (laughs) our vhs movie grind lately yeah well i hope our millennial friends are listening enjoying it <laughs> and these are all great movies that that robin williams was in and he he you know was terrific but the the the, the feeling that i had watching this movie is akin to what i would i would say i feel when i see uh, uh will ferrell in elf playing buddy the elf i feel like that is a perfect role for will ferrell in terms of his sensibilities as an actor, and I feel like this one fit Robin Williams like a glove as well. Like, he yeah. was able to tap into both the the caring dad side of himself and the the childlike sense, and I believe that that, again, is why it, it helped, like, like, why you have that feeling, like, if this movie didn't happen, would he have been Mrs. Doubtfire? Like, like he just had that, that sense so well, which is why I think that especially millennials have such a fondness for him because he's able to both be dad and friend as actor. Oh it's like School of Rock and Jack Black. Yes, that's yes, another, exactly. That's another one that crosses yes. my mind where it's like, oh, that's you. You know what, and what, what I feel like uh, I will make more of a stance for him in this movie is he really does completely transform from this guy that is so angry in he's the a, beginning. He's a dick, man. Yeah. He's such mm-hmm. a dick. And like, and he's good. It doesn't feel like, oh, okay, you're trying really hard. It doesn't feel that way. And then um, watching him become fully Pan, you know, like he becomes Peter Pan. And all of a sudden he's just like, is so childlike. And I believe that he forgets that why he's here. When he's telling Julia Roberts, like, I'm here because I'm Peter Pan, and and that's why I'm here. And oh, Teen Cart, and we're supposed to have fun and watching him interact with those kids. I just, I and critics have always hated characters like this, where it's like adults playing younger kids. They don't find that as um, hard. I think they think that that was easy or it's a cheap trick. And I just, I don't. I think people don't get enough credit, and I think this movie doesn't get enough credit, where it's like. Playing a child as an adult and having those feelings is not as easy to remember and not Mm. as easy to transform. And and being a doof can be as hard as Jared Leto playing, or not Jared Leto, uh, Joaquin Joaquin Phoenix playing the Joker. Can be. I would say it it definitely is. I hear you. Robin Williams would would have been a great Joker. People have fan casted him as the Joker before. Mm. Oof. Just speaking on that. I know, but that break that is just like think, even thinking that thought breaks my heart. Wouldn't it be great? People yeah. have also fan cast I mean, yeah, he's one of those that gets thrown around Willem Dafoe's another one that gets thrown around a lot. Oh yeah. my gosh, um, Willem Dafoe. Oof. Yeah, anything he does is just gold. So um good. So we really like How the do movie. we feel? <laughs> we, how, how do we feel? We're yeah. ready to we're we're waiting in anxious anticipation for the animated Rufio show. 
on mm-hmm. Netflix. That's I'm marking my calendar for that now. Thank goodness. Let me know if anybody needs to pitch Hook. Rufio. Hook's origin. Yeah. Um. We want. What else are we watching? Well, let's move on. Oh yeah, I, extra credit. Yeah, I didn't do those last week, and Taylor's like, um, we will literally end our marriage if you ever <laughs> skip extra credits again. And I was like, noted. So yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, everyone. <laughs> Uh, what have you been watching, Katie? I, uh, so I, I've been watching the show Bluey, which I think I mentioned last time. Um, yes. it's this wonderful preschool show and I, you know, lately my, my job's been a touch stressful and they're very short episodes. They're about seven, seven minutes. Um, and I, and I really like just getting off of work and after making dinner, just sitting down and watching a couple of these episodes with this very charming family. So that's what I've mainly been watching. But the other thing I've been watching is um, Amphibia, which is a series on uh, Disney Channel. That recently finished its second season. And it's been getting a lot of buzz in the animation community. So I was like, all right, it's time for me to catch up on Amphibia. So that's what I've been up to lately. And it's really interesting. It's, it's very charming. Um, if, you're, if you're not familiar, it's about a girl who gets whisked away through a magic... Um, music box into a world populated by amphibians and she ends up basically where frogs are and then there's other places one of her friends ends up where the toads reside and another one of her friends ends up where the newts uh, reside and basically the whole show is a metaphor for learning how to stand up for yourself in a toxic friendship and how to appreciate true and real friendships that are healthy and um it's, it's very fascinating what it's doing. And, of course, it's um, the, the creator was a director on Gravity Falls, which was very critically acclaimed. Mm. And um, the writing is very strong. And, and it's very interesting to compare and contrast with The Owl House, which is the other, uh, which is, I would say, um, the sister show, where uh, in that one, another girl gets whisked away to a magical place. But that, that one is more like dark magic. And this is more like fun and frogs. And um, it, it's interesting <laughs> watching between the two. And um, I, I'm interested to see where the Owl House goes because I think Amphibia is getting to where it wants to in its writing. And Owl House hasn't gotten there quite yet. And I don't think, I think there were a lot of growing pains in the first season of the Owl House uh, that Amphibia has, able to, has been able to conquer. So I'm really looking forward to finishing um, Amphibia. I think it's going to be great. Everyone says it is on Twitter. And I'm interested to see the second season of Owl House when that comes out as well. Katie, is Bluey the one where do they have an episode where it's like, like it's a, it's like the dogs, their dogs are they wolves, and like yeah. there's an episode of the the one of the kids like going to do its own thing, and the mom like stays back, and like it's about child like child and parent not needing each other anymore. Am I crazy? Um, uh, to think there, that's there may, an episode. There may very well be an episode like that. I, I'm only... Um, so there's 50 episodes in each season. And I'm okay, on episode, like, 35 of the first season. And um, I will say there is a, an episode where they go to the beach. And it's the mom goes on a walk by herself. And the daughter wants to show her a shell. So she kind of follows on after her. But the, the mom is so far away that the daughter basically is walking by herself. And the lesson of that episode is basically learning how to be by yourself. Um, so, so I have seen one like that. 
and and how okay. being by yourself can actually be positive and even though you can't really explain it it can be pleasant so i have seen an episode like that who is making this television show because it just australia sounds... of course that makes mm-hmm. sense oh because it sounds absolutely just like seven minutes seems genius especially for that mm-hmm. age and then parents don't feel guilty about giving too much time, but they're also getting lessons. Every lesson that I feel like I've heard about this show, I'm like, wow, you guys are really just doing it. You're making that educational show that uh, p- parents crave. That parents are like, yeah, I can justify giving my child because this generation of parents certainly has the, we can't let our kids just watch a VHS every day because... They are not our parents. I'll let you know. My parents would let me watch a movie. Oh, that's all. I, I had a VHS and a little TV in my room. Yeah. Like with my 64. Mm-hmm. They were like, figure it out, weirdo. Um. And here I am. <laughs> I know. And here we are making a podcast about movies, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, well, what have you been watching? Oh, go ahead, Katie. Oh, just wrapping that up really quick. Bluey is one of my favorite shows on television. I think it's brilliant. And I, I, I'm a little J-beans about it. It's so good, but in like a positive way. And I know, anyway, I hate that. Yeah. Again, like yeah. I'm only still I'm only still able to deal with the movie Lady Bird because I'm like, fuck, that's the best coming of age movie I've ever, I've probably ever seen. I just it doesn't get any better, and I'm like, I wish to God, I could have made it, but I didn't. Mm-hmm. What did you watch, what babe? Are, we watched the I got my Criterion Blu-ray of Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Uh, I love that flick. Taylor had never seen it, so that was fun. Yeah, I I actually thoroughly enjoyed it. Wasn't expecting to because I'm like. Uh, Taylor goes, a woman directed this? Yes, I did. And I was like, uh, it had to do a lot. I knew it dealt with sex, but I... The whole boy does it. boy does it. But it's a lot about the uh, women's opinions. Um, And so that was pretty cool. There's still a lot of things that were... um, It's an edgy movie. Edgy then, edgy now. But to also know that they literally went into a high school... Uh, to create the... The guy who wrote the book did. Yes. So I was like, well, you know, I can't really argue with a lot of those things. Um, But, and then you you watched... I watched Army of the Dead yesterday. I thought that was dope. Um, Maybe the coolest green screen feat uh, is digitally putting in uh, Tig Notaro over Chris character. Like, Snyder said it cost a few million to do it. And so, like, Dave Bautista has never met Tignataro. And they're mm-hmm. in like a fuckload of scenes together, it felt like. Uh, so I think that feat alone is is marvelous, but the movie is infinitely watchable. Um, it's a good dumb time, to quote Katie Grotzinger. Um, <laughs> and, I, and I didn't feel like, I didn't feel like I was watching it just to watch it. Like at first I was, I'm like, oh, I'll check this out because it's a new movie and I like Snyder and he's earned goodwill with me for how much I enjoy the DC movies. Um, I didn't like I didn't like stand him before until Man of Steel. Like I I watched 300 and stuff like that, and I was like, okay. Um, but this feels like growth to me. And people I, I know that people could might laugh, but I think that this movie has a lot of style. I think it's structurally like really sound. Uh, the bones are good, and um, the action's a blast. Like you know what you're getting with that filmmaker, but um, it's not a tedious watch at all and uh for people that are on the fence about snyder i think that's the best review they could hear <laughs> yes very true we're also watching hacks on hbo max yeah it's good <laughs> that was funny it's really uh, good I, it, i'm really impressed by uh is it Jean smart yes i loved her so much in the Watchmen series like she was so stunning 
uh, and she's she's stunning in a completely different way. I texted Marissa Lesman uh, about it because it's so good. I mean, it's it's a it's it's like fucking set in Vegas. It's like two comedians. It's like oh my, I I don't even want to. It's just literally the most Marissa Lesman thing I've ever seen. It's like st- like it's kind of like funny people if funny people were women and mm-hmm. uh, uh, like. The mo- like Gene Smart's character is like every mom character Marissa's ever written, just like uh, vain and hilarious, uh, and it's just it's just a, a, a really good time. And um, there's I'm really impressed by it. it's Paul W. Downs' show. Yeah, and he's I in liked it. him in Broad City a lot. He's in this. Um, I have a special connection. Um, my friend Emily is uh, done a lot of stand up comedy in Chicago. And so uh, there's a new, uh, they're not, they're new to the, the television world, but they have been fucking hilarious for forever. Fucking, <laughs> fucking hilarious. Um, Megan, it's uh, Stalter. I think I'm pronouncing the last name right. It shouldn't be that hard, but everyone knows I have heart. If you don't know that I can't pronounce names, then you've never listened to an episode of this podcast. Um, but she, Emily and I had watched her do a bunch of shows um, and like no name shows in Chicago when she was first starting out and we thought she was hilarious and we were like oh my god she's genius and then she is like a big titter twitter titter twitter presence and seeing her on this show is like I'm I don't know this woman but it's like watching someone glow up and she is hilarious she is a comedic genius. I would watch it alone. She's in like a her. side role. Like yeah, she's, she's not, not like the even, lead or anything. No, she is a side, side, side role. And I could watch her do anything in the show. And I would watch her scenes just alone. Yeah, she's hysterical. Can't recommend this TV show. Everybody's enough. doing a great job. Yeah. So Hacks on HBO Max. Get on it. Is it a Max original or is it an HBO show? I think it's a Max original. I wasn't sure. I don't know. I'm just curious. I don't know. Cool. I'm so sorry. But yeah, that's what we've been watching. And uh, I think that wraps it up. Right? I don't know. Is there anything else anybody wants to talk about? Uh, Hacks apparently is an original of HBO Max. Oh, okay. Thanks, Katie. HBO Google Hacks. it. With, with that being said, I'm Luke. <laughs> I'm Katie. And I'm Taylor. And you have a good one, folks.